Welcome to the Church Safety and Security Broadcast with the Church Safety Guys. Brought to you by TwoWayRadioCenter.com, a Motorola value-added reseller. The Church Safety Guys is a nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping the vigilant, those men and women who stand watch, keeping our houses of worship and places of faith safe. We believe church safety and security must be a ministry first and have engaged servant leaders who continually strive for excellence and teams of motivated volunteers that are always training. Join us for the next hour as the Church Safety Guys unpack safety, security, leadership, and ministry operations with your hosts, Dr. James McGarvey and Mike Scully. This broadcast is also available on YouTube, your favorite podcast platforms, churchsafetyguys.com, and on the original Church Security app. Download it today. Feel free to like, subscribe, and share with your ministry. Active with and saying, you know what? I'm, I'm doing this all the time regardless. And, and honestly, as you do that and as you do it more, it should become more of a second nature to the, the point of impacting in a positive way, impacting your ministry at church. Because from that standpoint, if you're always using this tool and then you're placed in a situation where you have to try and calm someone down or deescalate a situation at church, then it should be more smooth for you to just take a breath and step in and say, okay. And that's, that's part of being empathetic is understanding where, you know, where that person's coming from um, to be able to, to adjust and to, to seek a, really to seek a solution that's benefit, you know, that benefits all parties or is beneficial to everybody. So, so you could have got yourself that much more jacked up driving there 15 oh, minutes. Sure. You could have been simmering. And unfortunately, <laughs> I do have a couple of videos on my YouTube channel where I make com. I, you know, I do some commentary on some incidences that I find either on YouTube or in the news. And, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of, of people get themselves so worked up and they take it so personally and they're offended, they're impatient, they're frustrated, and they take it out on these young teenagers who haven't developed people skills of their own. And so they react very defensively and the whole situation absolutely blows up and goes out, uh, out the, um, off the rails. Now imagine if you had gone in there and was just snotty and rude. And as you yeah. drive away, they see a Jesus is Lord's bumper sticker on the back of your car or something <laughs> like that. Cause, sure. cause you know, you hear stories <laughs> like that. Are yeah. you ministry minded? Are you empathetic, compassionate? Do you remember what it was like to be a teenager on your first job, learning how to do all this stuff and, and develop these people mm-hmm. skills? Take a moment. Stop acting like they deliberately decided, oh, it's McGarvey. You know what? Let's mess with him. Stop acting like it's, a <laughs> you know, they're trying to get you personally. But in this day and age, everyone just seems to be uh, they want they want to believe. It seems like they want to believe they are deliberately, specifically being victimized. Yeah. And then on top of that, they just don't seem to understand what de-escalation or verbal judo or any of that stuff actually is or looks like or sounds like in the moment. And there and there are mm-hmm. folks who just think that because uh, I get a lot of haters on uh, making comments on my YouTube channel. Yeah. You know, uh, just just they, they there's always finger pointing. 
that other person in that video that you describe is more at fault than the other. And it's like, you know what, folks, both people had a role to play. You, we all have a role to play in every incident. We, we have uh, contact with another human being. We can either do our best to try to deescalate that situation or we end up being human and, and not getting it right and say or do something that, you know, hopefully we catch ourselves and go, OK, I, I need to avoid saying that I need or I need to avoid doing that. You know, hopefully you catch yourself before it completely goes off the rails. Telling someone to calm down is not effective. <laughs> well telling you we, we both up, said that like a right, hundred you know, times it's like don't yeah. do it it's like the no. the cardinal rule of de-escalation <laughs> it, it is but it rolls off our tongue so easily yeah. so easily and and that's why in my in my all my training seminars i'm just emphasizing to people hey that's why mm -hmm. having this self-discipline and situation awareness is critical oops i almost told this person to calm down catch yourself hey you know what Take a deep breath, sir, ma'am, or whatever, or avoid saying anything in that moment. Because, again, you don't maybe it's one of those moments uh, in the situation where you don't have to say anything. You know, but again, every For situation sure. is different and, and you've got to constantly be assessing it as, as it evolves in front of you. For sure. So um, so let's go through real quick what. Uh, you know, we've we've gone back and forth just in the in the illustrations and we've kind of said what de-escalation is, what it isn't, that sort of thing. But let's let's get a little bit more specific and and get into what it's what it's not, because a lot of times to see what it is, you kind of have to say this is what it isn't and uh, and then kind of move forward. And oftentimes people get like like we said at the beginning, people get a little bit confused as far as what de-escalation should be and what it looks like, like in their church, in their, in their environment, um, particularly in church safety and security. But um, so I kind of made a list. Mike's not with us. Mike's usually the list guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, uh, I'll run through this real quick. But um, when I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, okay, this is what de-escalation, um, this is what de-escalation isn't. It's not a cure-all. It's right. not an instant fix. Um, it doesn't work the same every time. That was a big one. <laughs> um, and it's not a one-step black and white process. And oftentimes, you know, the last two, um, we in our minds, information is usually right or wrong, black or white, you know, mm -hmm. and how we process it based on our experience, our culture, our bias, you know, everything that, that is the fabric of us making a decision, it comes across as, well, it's got to be this way or that way. And when we're talking about church, church safety specifically, it's not like every situation that you deal with is a fluid, changing, moving, dynamic mm -hmm. situation that fluctuates. And so when you're taking something that you think is a cure-all instant fix, um, works the same every time application process, and you apply that to something that isn't, it's a very, every situation is different. Every situation is gray, not black and white. It's very challenging for you to stay in character and solve that problem and fix mm -hmm. that because mm -hmm. you're not being fluid with the situation. It's kind of like 
when I used to do firearm classes, oftentimes people would ask me to explain why the law was so confusing in Ohio when it came to firearms. And one of the things I, I said to them is because you're trying to evaluate the law, but you're taking out the intent of the person that this is being applied to. You don't understand that it every situation is different and the intent of the person is different every time. And so for me, oftentimes I would try and separate that and say, look, that's why the law is confusing to you. And that's why it's gray because it's made so that it can be interpreted based on intent every single time. And, and that's, you know, I mean, that would be just like you being an officer or, or when I worked, um, when I worked for the sheriff's office, it's like, you understand what that baseline is for the law, but in application, it's how that person is really breaking the law that you yes. apply that. That's exactly so, right. You know, from, from that standpoint of de-escalation, we really have to get past the idea that, you know, how I would de-escalate you and how I would connect with you in a situation when you're frustrated is entirely different from how I would connect with someone else. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, uh, that's one thing I absolutely stress. You've got to stay flexible, adapt, improvise and overcome, adapt, improvise and overcome and always be adapting to the situation that you're actually dealing with. I recently posted a, uh, a commentary and a how to uh, video on YouTube and a person just recently went on it and and blasted me and said, you need to go back and redo this other video I had posted uh, because of this, this and this. And I and I actually responded and said, these are two very separate uh, situations. How that other incident that you want me to redo evolved is what it is. How this situation evolved, the one that I'm pulling some de-escalation lessons and um, techniques and tips out of, is that you've got to stay flexible. The most, uh, the biggest, single biggest reason why I see people mishandle uh, some of the scenarios with my team and I are people who just immediately assume that if A happens, I'm doing B. And they don't actually stay flexible and listen to what my instructor role players are saying. They're not actually really paying attention to how the situation is evolving in that moment. And they end up saying and doing things that that we end up having to end the scenario because we can tell it's trending in the wrong direction. And during the sure. critique phase, we're asking them, we're saying, okay, now why did you do what you, you did? Why did you say what you did? And, and their response was always, well, I always told myself, or I just know that if a, ha literally if a happens, I'm doing B. And I'm like, that's not always going to be the case. And that's specifically why my instructor role players will do things that, that, that they do to kind of keep try to keep people <laughs> on their toes you know sure. and 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 you know the way if you came into my scenario station i would react and respond one way and then as you leave to go to the next scenario and you whisper to your buddies hey when you go hit john's scenario do this and that i'm going to switch it up right and, and just to see if, if if this guy or a girl you know stays flexible and that's one thing and, and the reason i do that is try to get people break out of this tunnel vision of if A happens, yeah. I'm doing B. I teach you the basics, your ACE, your appearance, communication, your engagement. If you can maintain and, and be flexible with your ACE and, and apply that all the time, you're more likely than not going to be able to be effective. But if you just go into a scenario with, with, with this attitude, 
of almost self-righteous attitude. Hey, this is how we're going to do it. Um, chances are good. You're, you're going to be trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, for so. sure. Um, so we, we kind of, kind of went over what it's not. So what it is, let's, let's talk about that. And I kind of narrowed it down to three, kind of three points to, to remind myself, but um, what it is, it's a flexible tool. That's one of the things, right? Um, number two is it's a stepping stool that what needs, uh, it's a stepping stool for what needs to happen and what needs to be done. So in other words, and we've talked about it before, um, oftentimes because you're being fluid in that situation and trying to be flexible, you have to also be in, in tune and in touch with the emotion in that situation to be able to say, you know what? maybe I'm not the right person at this right moment to be in this conversation. Like I've exhausted my resources enough to the point where I probably need to step back and maybe I need to tag team somebody else in or, mm -hmm. or bring somebody else in um, that maybe can connect with this person better. And it's, it's okay to do that. It's okay to say, you know what? Okay. Hang on just a second. Let me, let me see if I can find someone that might be able to help you a little bit better because maybe I'm not, I'm not connecting with you on this, on this concern, like I should be. And, and I need to grab somebody and, and excuse yourself and bring someone else in. But then the third thing, and we've talked about it a, a couple of times already today. Um, the third thing is silence is golden, right? <laughs> so you, you know, so many times we jump in and we're like, I got to say this. And, and like you just said, I've got to respond and I've got to do this. And that person made me mad, but, and, but I still have to respond. And it's like, wait a second, take a breath and just stop talking, like pull yourself back. There is so much power in silence. And over the last two or three weeks of different things that have happened, you know, to me and my family, I've, I've really learned that, like, you know what, there's so much power in deescalating when you just step back and stop talking. Yes. Um, yes. And realistically from that point, um, you know, find someone. And, and I would even say this for, for the safety team's sake, find someone else on the team that you have a dynamic relationship with pair up and know who compliments you and who does not, because there are individuals that can come alongside you. And, and I know um, to there, there's actually two individuals in, in my church that when I get into a situation that I want them there and it's not because they're necessarily more knowledgeable, but because we've worked together in the past, we tag team it together. We know when to stop talking with each other and we know when to bring the other person in and let them take over that conversation. And I'll tell you, we have had so much success with that interaction of doing that where um, we all win. Like we all walk away. Like nothing's been like the policy hasn't been ignored. It's been followed. We've helped the person, but it's just that interaction to be able to say, I know, um, one of the individuals that I work very well with is our pastor's wife. Um, and my pastor and his wife went to the, to our old church, but there were often times where she would be in charge of, 
um, like some of the security stuff for checking kids in, checking kids out. So if we had a parent that came up and said to me, hey, I want to get this kid. I don't have my ID. I don't have my sticker. How can I get my kid? And I didn't know. I would say, okay, I need a driver's license. I need this or that because you know, our security is high because we want to make sure the right kids going with the right parent. Well, there've been a few situations where that parent has gone off the rails at me. Like, how dare you? I want my child. And I'm like, okay, let me go grab this individual. Maybe I'm not explaining it well to you, but let me grab this other individual, this pastor's wife, because she knows how to, sometimes she explains it better than I do. Yep. I'm not perfect. Yep. So, you know, she would come in and she would say, hey, what can I help you with? Entirely different personality, entirely yep. different. But 110%, she would always have my back with policies and procedures and know it well enough to be able to say, this is our policy. I can help you with this, but you have to help me with this. And you know, and, and find that compromise being empathetic, but also understanding that, you know, we have the policies to follow for a reason. Um, you know, but again, nine times out of 10, I would pull one of those two. There's an, another gentleman that's, a, uh, that was a deacon in our church. Um, and I now serve on our church's elder board with him. Um, but there is another individual that, you know, again, very smooth, very interactive. When the two of us are together addressing stuff, it just works well. And I right. would encourage, you know, anybody that's listening, um, you know, if you have that situation where you're trying to do that with, with your folks and you're trying to go through training and scenarios and that sort of thing, there is always someone else in, um, in or on your team that you will work very well with that you will compliment. And if you can find that individual, you truly, you know, you can practice breaking up in teams and, and covering those topics. But I think that, I think you'll be golden because honestly um, it just, there's, there's some dynamic there that it helps you be successful and um, you know, and, and again, it's not, you're not raising your voice. You're not saying no to the person, but at some point in time, and I, and I think honestly, a lot of times it's, maybe it's our pride that we just want to handle the situation and we yep. don't want to yep. say, yep. I got to pull this other person in because then to yep. us, you know, it, it makes like, if I, if, if you and I were working some situation and I'm like, Hey, John, can, can you help me? Can you talk to this person? Cause something, something's not connecting then I have to be humble because, you know, I'm admitting I didn't fix this. Right. And we're, we're all right. problem solvers, but I'm, I'm admitting at that point that I need you to help me. And so that's challenging for me sometimes to be able to say, I can't do this by myself because we, again, going back to what it's not, it's not an instant de-escalation is not an instant fix nope. in any situation. Nope. And you have to treat it like, okay, maybe I'm not the right person and it's nothing against you. Um, again, a few, a few years ago, another illustration real quick was um, we, we were at a church camp in Tennessee and there was a gal that was um, uh, at the time was suicidal and ran mm -hmm. off in the woods and hid. 
And mm. myself and another, uh, myself and one of the youth pastors were trying to, to find her. Like we were going through the woods in the middle of the night yeah. and we found her and I started talking to her and the youth pastor started talking to her. And, you know, when we were talking to her, we just could not connect. Like we could see in her face that she wasn't connecting with what we were saying. Yeah. And so we're sitting there and uh, I had one of my radios. Well, they had a special duty uh, sheriff, sheriff's deputy that was there at the camp at night. And um, the sheriff, sheriff's deputy called me and he said, did you locate the girl? And I said, yes, you know, here's, here's the point where we are. And he said, okay, I'll be right up there. So within literally within probably two minutes, we're in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> within two minutes, um, you know, the deputy pulls up and he walks over and he sits down and, and he starts talking to the girl. And I, I'm not even joking. Like he must've been like the teen whisperer or something because yeah, we had yeah, been yeah. talking to her <laughs> and she wasn't like, she wasn't getting it. He walked up. And I mean, it was like that, bam, you know, she's talking to him, she's yep. interacting with him and, um, you know, and I'll never, I'll never forget that, but she came back in, we were able to get her some, you know, professional counseling and help. And, yeah. um, you know, she's, she's married, has an amazing family now, you know, God's, God's been working yeah. on her. Heart awesome. And awesome. It, it has been, but ju just that situation, I was joking later, I was joking around with the deputy and he, he just looked at me and he said, you know, he said, I've been through conflict de-escalation training uh, and, and crisis, you know, crisis management. Um, yep. But he said, you know, he said, you guys, I heard what you were saying. He said, you weren't saying anything different than what I said, yep. but he said, just, He's like, maybe it's because I'm wearing a uniform. I don't know. Yep. But he said, yep. you know, the the reality is that some people just engage better with others. And yep. he's like, you know, kudos to you guys because you weren't. He's like, I've worked with churches before where they want to lock down counseling this person. And he said, I walked up and he said, as soon as I walked up, you you guys just stepped back and, yep. and gave me a shot. And I yep. said, well, I said, you know, you, maybe your trainings, you know, maybe you've had more training than I have. Maybe she'll connect better with you. I don't know. But at that point, yeah. Yeah. you know, my, my perspective is I want to do what's best for that person and for yeah. her. So yeah. if that means me stepping back and saying, look, I'm not, you know, yep. I'm not connecting. Yep. All right. Bring somebody in that does yep. connect. Yep, exactly right. You know, one thing I emphasize, the longer you stay in a some type of confrontational situation by yourself, the higher the probability you're going to end up being the one to uh, get frustrated, impatient or offended and end up saying you're doing something that escalates it. And that's why part of my training, I emphasize teamwork. I emphasize, emphasize teamwork. You've got to be able to get your pride and ego out of it. Break contact with the person. Recognize Again, back to self-discipline and situational awareness. You're not connecting with this person. Um, and, and break contact and let a colleague take over who nine times out of 10 will repeat almost word for word what you just got done saying. But for some reason, the different tone of voice, a different image, a different person, uh, it just resonates differently. And I'm glad you were able to see that. That, that is a known psychological, scientifically proven <laughs> phenomenon. And, sure. and I try to encourage people to understand it and, and take advantage of it. 
Um, I've seen people in positions of authority, leaders, bosses, parents, police officers, doctors, lawyers, store clerks, people in a position of authority end up end up escalating situations because they stay in contact with a a person that they should have recognized sooner rather than later that, okay, I'm not connecting. I need to just back away. But they feel that because they are in a you know, position of authority, I'm in charge here or whatever, they, they feel like I need to fix it, resolve it, or solve it. And, yeah. That, you know, yeah, you can as part of a team. Don't think you're, you are going to be the one to do it. And so I emphasize teamwork. You know, back to de-escalation. What, what is, I just want to emphasize again, de-escalation is not a magic word, not a magic phrase, not a magic action. Mm-hmm. There will be times when nothing you say or do will work. Uh, because maybe the level of anger or agitation or stress the person is under in that moment or the level of intoxication from alcohol or drugs or a combination of both um, and or cognitive disabilities, challenges, autism, dementia or whatever, and or uh, they have an agenda. If they intend to have some type of conflict, there's no such thing as de-escalating that. They are looking for a conflict. And so I try to get people to understand there's no magic word or phrase. Uh, and anyone who tries to teach you uh, otherwise is, 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 is faking you out and taking your money. There's no such thing. You have to be flexible. There are basics, which I call your ace. There are basics that you can fall back on, but you've got to be able to rec- understand, okay, uh, for a given situation, you know, this may have worked. What you're about to say or do may have worked last week with another situation, but it may not work with this situation with this person right now. And you've got to be able to recognize that and break contact. Now, my definition of de-escalation, based on my own life experiences and observation, is we're trying to lower that intensity level of their stress, agitation, anger, whatever. Lower it so that this potentially volatile situation does not become a critically violent physical altercation. If you go home safe, that's a win. If your colleagues go home safe, that's a win. Even if they walk out of the building yelling and screaming and they kick the garbage can over. Hey, you know what? Again, you're not going to win everyone. You're not going to win everyone. You go home safe. Your friends go home safe. But the idea that you could just say or do something and it's now their responsibility to de-escalate, that's a fallacy. Uh, You still have a part to play. Just because you said this one word or did this one thing does not mean they're automatically going to huh, unicorns <laughs> and marshmallows and rainbows. It's that's not how life works, you know. And that's one of the things I try to emphasize in with with people and clients. You, there's the, there's a saying out there we learned in the military very early on: no plan stays together on contact with the enemy. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you, you know, there's things that they teach you in school. There's things they teach you in boot camp. There's things they teach you at the academy. But man, when you're boots on the ground, face to face, a lot of this stuff goes out the window. But that is why I try to emphasize here are some basics that you can hang on to that more likely than not will help you de-escalate effectively and successfully a given situation. But recognize there again, you still have your part to play. Um, Do I need to stay engaged? Do I even need to say something in this moment or should I just be quiet? You know, and and so yeah, there's those are those. Go ahead. I I love. I was just gonna say, I love the fact that you said earlier. You said intent. Like if that person Mm -hmm. has has intent to do something and carry out actions, that nothing at that point is going to change necessarily change Mm -hmm. what that person's Mm -hmm. intent is. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times too that 
that would apply. Like we've had numerous conversations about like the, uh, the first amendment folks that are just Mm -hmm. like, you know Mm -hmm. what, I'm going to, I'm going to be here. So their intent is to be disruptive. That's the whole point of Mm -hmm. them showing up on property. Um, and, and oftentimes what they fail to realize is that showing up on property, if it was the community's property, that's a little bit different than private property of a church. But, um, the, the reality with all of that is that, um, it's, it's interesting to me that when, and you just said it with boots on the ground, things are different when you're actually in the middle of the situation you have to be flexible. You have those mm-hmm. tools, but then you need to fall back on being flexible and understanding that not every situation is the same and every situation is dynamic. And, you know, there's, it's okay to think ahead and plan like from the standpoint exactly. of, well, if I can't do this, if I don't get to that point of getting that resolution and bringing that person's, um, emotional mental state down, you know, to a more reasonable level, then what's next? Like, what's the next step? Okay. Well, if they're not responsive, if they're not responding to me and I brought in someone else to help and I've used, you know, the de-escalation tactics and I've, I've used verbal judo and I'm to this point now on the other side of this not working. Okay. What's the next resource? Like, and when mm-hmm. you think about it, planning out mm-hmm. is, is always helpful. Like my next Absolutely. resource at that point would be saying, okay, I need to get on the phone with law enforcement because if that person is still up there and, you know, they're still elevated in their intent and they're acting on their intent, then maybe I need to trespass them. Maybe I need to get law enforcement moving and on the way um, because they're not listening. They're not you know, they're not engaging in the slightest bit with, you know, these other tactics. So that's fine to do, but it just, it, sometimes it seems to me like we're, I don't know, we're just expecting like, again, you know, snap your fingers, one word, I can say this and it's going to just derail this mm-hmm. person's mindset. But when you think mm-hmm. about it, I mean, individuals, even individuals that have had mental health challenges that have come into a church and have decided that they're going to disrupt a service or do something substantial. They've been planning this out for a significant amount of time. Like they, in their mind, oftentimes, and we've seen statistically where they're trying to psych themselves up to go do this. They've been thinking about it longer than you have. So (laughs) when you approach somebody, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. you're thinking, Oh wow, this person showed up. I'm going to try and, and, you know, help them reset their mind and calm down and do all of this other stuff. When in reality, they've been building this up in their mind for probably the last several days, getting the courage to do this. You're not going to influence them very significantly no. in a short period of time. There, there are some incidences because we had it here in my church. There, there, there are some mental illness where it could be a spur of the moment thing that they end up saying or doing just because the opportunity arose. Uh, a number of years ago, we had a, a young man had some mental illness. He saw that we had filled up the baptismal pool. So he started bathing in it. It was, it was a spur of the moment uh, type sure. of thing. And, and, you know, we worked it out and he, he doesn't show up here anymore, but it was, it really co- took the 
the folks who were here that <laughs> that day by surprise, uh, the, the, you know, and they they some people got offended by it, which rightfully so. They were they were offended. They were frustrated, like, oh, my gosh, we're we're trying to fill up the ba baptismal pool for for Sunday's baptisms. And, and we got this guy bathing in it, you know, a homeless guy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh, but it was it was it was handled well. Uh, and but you can see where some people kind of got uptight about it. Uh, and it and it could have gone sideways with with how they handled it. But it, I thought it, it was handled very well. And fortunately, they, they just took a deep breath. And fortunately, it wasn't um, as full as it could have been. They just emptied the water and started over again. But you could see where um, any one of those people who ended up interacting with them that day could have ended up saying or doing something uh, that could have potentially escalated. And, and uh, you know, I've seen that happen several times. That's why it's so critical that you not only work as a team, but but that you have gone through some type of training as a team together. Mm -hmm. uh, it does you no good to end up interacting with someone and one of your colleagues shows up who doesn't know the same basics you do and they start running at the mouth or they say or do something just in sight of the subject you're dealing with that just sets them off. You know, we've got to be able yeah. to understand the dynamics of working as a team. And you've got to have that empathy and compassion for another person's psychology in that moment. Is it a mental illness? Because um, nine times out of 10, in my humble belief, people who will come to the church who might have a gripe about something just need to vent. I, I just didn't appreciate the pastor's message last Sunday. OK, do sure. I really need to argue with that over that? I'm not going to change your mind. You just have a different opinion on the pastor's message. Okay. I'm just going to sit there and let you vent. And then after you come down, okay. You can politely say, okay, I, I saw that message differently, but okay. You don't have to become argumentative. Well, I can tell you the pastor didn't mean that. And then you start butting heads with this person. You know, you've got to, and again, back to that situation, uh, situation awareness and self-discipline. Do I really need to get into an argument with this person? Do I need, do I really need to say something? Do I really need to point out to them how they're wrong or they're looking at it differently? Um, and exactly that, you know, they're, they, and they probably took two, three days to come up with the courage. On which hand, I, I, I applaud them for having the courage to come forward to express, okay, look, I, I got to be honest with you. I didn't like the pastor's message last Sunday. You know what? If you just hang on and get you a deacon, who will probably be able to sit down and talk to you about it. So now we have a ministry opportunity right here instead of becoming all defensive and argumentative about someone's sure. take on, on the pastor's message or, or, or whatever, you know. Well, and, and certainly sometimes the the intent, you know, it, I don't know, sometimes the intent is miscommunicated. Sometimes yeah. people realize at that point, I mean, you've you've given a, an illustration before about someone that came in and was upset at your church about um, how they felt that their uh, special needs son was treated. Mm -hmm. And you kind of sat down and you talked with them and then you connected them with the right people. And they kind of realized that, hey, the church wasn't really intentionally doing what what they perceived as, you yep. know, being, um, you know, singling them out and that sort of thing. So from that, that example, um, oftentimes it just takes sitting down with somebody. I mean, I've had situations myself where I hear a message and I'm like, okay, I don't know. Like, <laughs> where are we going with this? Right. <laughs> yeah. What's, where, where are we going with this? And I mean, I, I'm a little, I'm probably a little bit different because of, of my relationship, like 
directly with our lead pastors and uh, and stuff like that. So I'll call them on the phone. I mean, there's a there's a place to obviously to approach somebody both good and bad, but, you know, I'll reach out to him and I'll say, Hey, I really had a question about this. I understood and perceived it to be this. Can you explain this? Can you, and then I find out, you know what, I was completely off base and miss misread it. And, you know, stuff. I was recently, and I think you and I had this discussion. I have recently been reminded that there are people out there who just don't know how to communicate uh, either by text or email and, and a lot can be lost in translation and that and, you know, when you suddenly meet them or you actually sit down and have a conversation with them, you suddenly realize, oh, they, they, the way they came across in, in written language was not the way they intended clearly after talking to them. Uh, and, and I can tell you that a, a lot of the juvenile stuff that we dealt with when I was a police officer. Nine times out of 10, it was because someone got offended by some by something someone posted on their social media and something was lost in translation or it was just and it always was some type of stupid misunderstanding. Uh, yes, there were obviously some some snipes and, and stuff like that. But I mean, a lot of the stuff we dealt with was just a misunderstanding or, or someone just decided because you can choose decided to be offended by someone. And, and then all of a sudden it just escalated to that point. And, and so I always encourage people because I'm guilty of it too, because I'm a human being on this fallen world. Sometimes I will read something someone says, and my initial response is is to, to be hurt, offended, or whatever. And I have to take a moment to take a deep breath and just, okay, that's I give the, giving them the benefit of the doubt. That's probably not what they said or meant. And I may or may not respond just to see how they respond in, in turn. And then based on that interaction, I'll decide, yeah, do I even need to continue communicating with this person or they just have a, a very strong opinion on something and I'm obviously not going to change their mind. And, you know, I just let it go. But um, yeah, uh, just taking that moment to just slow down, take a deep breath and, and just understand that a lot of times it's probably just a misunderstanding that has upset the other person and they may or may not know how to really articulate that effectively especially in the moment when they're stressed and agitated. For sure. Was there anything that, uh, anything else that you would like to add? We're kind of at the moment, we're kind of running, running out of time and I, yeah. I appreciate your, your time for sure. But uh, well, let me, let me, okay. Yeah. In closing, let me just reiterate and reemphasize. There's no sure. such thing as a magic word, a magic pill, a magic phrase or a magic action. Dealing with human beings on this fallen world is very dynamic and it's very and it's very you have to be flexible. You have to adapt to the situation as it evolves before you make sure you maintain that self-discipline and self-awareness, because as the situation evolves, you need to be able to evolve with it, because if you maintain a certain tone of voice or a certain body posture or a certain whatever, you could potentially escalate the situation when, you re- when you're not realizing you should be toning it down or breaking contact or whatever. Um, there will be times when nothing you say or do is going to work. Again, level of anger in that moment, which is another reason why you should just be quiet and let them vent. Uh, cognitive disabilities, uh, challenges, uh, maybe uh, intoxicated with drugs, alcohol or both, or if they have an intent. Uh, again, situations like that, like that can add, be an added challenge. However, from experience, I'm telling you, it can be done, but you have your part to play in it. 
and just don't think that you could just say this one thing or do this one thing that would just, uh, again, magically uh, marshmallows and unicorns and, and, and rainbows. It's, <laughs> it's not going to be like that, you know, and there will be times when people don't like you. That's the other thing. Yeah. There may be, you know, you've got to understand you're not going to connect with this person if for some reason they don't like you. You're wearing a, a Miami Dolphins sweatshirt. I don't know, but there's going to be something about you that they don't like. Uh, maybe they don't like bald men. You know, you've got to, again, you've got to be able to disengage, recognize that you're not connecting, disengage, hand it off to a colleague. For sure. For sure. Well, I definitely appreciate your time and in, in going through that. And um, <laughs> as as always, uh, you're welcome to reach out to us through through our website, which is churchsafetyguys.com. Uh, if we can be of any service to you or, or your ministry. And then uh, you're welcome to if you have any de-escalation questions or maybe you'd like to bring John and his team in for uh, for training to help train your team. Very dynamic lecture presentation and also scenarios, um, yeah. which I've, I've gotten a chance to see before and they're, they're pretty cool. I love, I love your team. They're, they're good <laughs> folks and they, they do a great job. So, Thanks. Thank um, you. But uh, what's your, actually, what's your website for our listeners? Yeah. Gentle hyphen response.com. Um, I've got such a, um, uh, uh, internet footprint. Now, if you just type in gentle response, uh, I'm going to pop up. Sure. Uh, and I've, I've got commentary and comments on video on, on YouTube. Also, uh, I take situations I see in the news or on other social media platforms and talk about some of the de-escalation lessons we can pull from it. Uh, but yeah, gentle response, gentle hyphen response.com. Cool. Sounds good. Well, again, thanks for, for listening and hanging out with us and we'll see you next time. Good night, everyone.